Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. John, you should have did the weather uh, to John Cena's theme. Thought that would I might, I might consider doing that. Instead of killing it and going back to the weather, I was like, eh, just roll with Cena's theme. Just just roll with it. I don't know. It, it kind of gives a good ring to it, possibly. By the way, I think it's funny now that AJ just totally said my wrestling themes are dumb, I'm never going to play them, and now he's playing them every break. Anyway, welcome back to Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner, the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, John Grove, AJ Shaw, and the other side running our show for us. 537-1350 is the number as we can open up for a little bit as we got Gene Taylor coming on here in um, uh, in just a few moments. Caller wanted me to correct something. I'll do that real quick. Iowa State beat Cincinnati, not the other way around. Iowa State beat Cincinnati. Really was no contest for the Cyclones, 30-10. to um, that final score, Cincinnati, terrible. They're not good. Well, they have found life in the Big 12 a little bit difficult, and and it, it really kind of comes down to this. Yeah, the coaching change and all that, yeah. Right. They they don't throw the ball very well. puts a lot of strain on the run game, and they've not been good in the red zone. They've been competitive in other areas, but, man, they're just – I mean, they <laughs> – Emory Jones on Saturday threw 26 times for 96 yards. That's – Pretty hard to make a living in the Big 12 with that. To go to the Big 12's website, I don't have the standings in front of me, but I mean, is Cincinnati the worst team in the Big 12? Would you say that? Uh, well, you could certainly make that argument at the moment. Uh, I, I don't know that I'm totally ready to go there just yet, honestly. But uh, you know what? Let's look at that standings because I, I Cincinnati, UCF are both 0 and 3. They're the two that are winless right now in the conference. Right. I mean, you think about the league race. Who would have thought Iowa State would be three and one? Oklahoma's three and zero. Iowa State three and one. OSU, Texas, Kansas State, West Virginia, all two and one. KU is two and two, as is TCU and Tech. Then you got Baylor. I'm, I'm sorry, BYU, Houston, and Baylor all one and two. UCF and Cincinnati on three. I, I think you'd have to say Cincinnati at least for the moment because. John Rice probably starting to come back, I think, and and that could make a difference for them. We'll see. We'll see. I'm just worried that everybody not named Oklahoma and Texas are just going to beat the snot out of each other, and then it's <laughs> by default Oklahoma and Texas are going to go to the Big 12 championship game because they're above everybody else. And I, I was saying last week on the show, I mean, two losses in Big 12 play might not get you there this year to the Big 12 championship game. Well, I would say – Mathematically, that's probably accurate because I think you have too many teams that are one-loss teams now. I think just it, it, it'd be hard to think that 
all of those teams are going to lose one more time. Not impossible, though. We'll see. Well, I, I guess the one blessing is nobody has to play Oklahoma and Texas. So K-State just plays Texas. Oklahoma State will play Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma State just about avoided everybody out of the state of Texas. Meanwhile, K-State's playing five straight against teams from Texas. I don't think they do have a Texas team on their schedule, do they? I'm not sure. I don't think they do. If they do, they have one. It's not two. We, you got to look now. Go look it up real fast because I, I'm totally serious. I think I think Hunziker told me that they didn't play a single team in Texas. All right. So Big Twelve schedule for the Pokes. Uh, let's see here. So why is he giving me 2021? I scrolled too far. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's see here. So Iowa State. K-State, KU, mm-hmm. and then still to come, West Virginia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, UCF, Houston. Okay, so Houston's the lone one. Yeah, and BYU. Wow, that's crazy. Is that in, in Texas? I think it's in Stillwater, isn't it? Or am I wrong on that one? It's in Houston. It is in Houston. Mm-hmm. So they actually do play in Texas once. They do. Can you imagine the change on that for them? I think That's crazy. I don't have the schedule in front of me. I think it is Houston that doesn't leave the state of Texas until. Well, now I'm kind of skipping ahead here. It's like looking at, like we're looking at week eight in the Big Twelve right now. But you have me curious because I think Houston doesn't leave the state of Texas until either now or next week. Yeah, I think I it's next week because they have Texas this week. Yeah. So I think and, next week they. It's maybe the only time they leave leave the state of Texas all year. Yeah, welcome to the new Big Twelve, right? I mean, that's kind of what we're describing. Now I got to look. I'm I'm trying to do this quick googling as we uh, kind of go on the fly here. But all right, so looking at Houston's schedule, they have Texas this week. Then they come here. Yep. So now they break their streak of playing in Texas, and then they have Cincinnati at home, Oklahoma State at home, and then they're at UCF. So they only leave Texas twice. Wow. Wild. Meanwhile, we have an or on our depth chart. Uh, I, I don't know if I would call it a quarterback controversy. It's just more of a storyline. It's right now Will Howard or Avery Johnson, who will be the starting quarterback against um, TCU on Saturday. What John is referencing here, not John, what's your name? Mitch. That's that's an old habit. I apologize. That's an old <laughs> habit. You know, sometimes I used to go by Jim Brony. <laughs> No, my bad. It's, just, back it's just me being old. The senior moment there. No, I, I think whatever. Just so everybody knows, what you're referencing is is that on Mondays, with the weekly release put out by Media Relations at K State, they put a depth chart in there, and for the first time, we have an or at the top of the list at the quarterback position. That's what you're referencing. And my thought there is okay. We're probably not going to learn anything on Tuesday. Um, you know, the K-State coaches would like to keep those kind of things under wraps for the old opponent. Sure. You know, now they're prepping for two quarterbacks. They seriously have to prep for two quarterbacks. And uh, does Will Howard play? Does he not play? Is it all Avery Johnson? My thought is, my prediction is, absolutely Will Howard plays. He's not getting benched. It's not like he laid an egg at uh, Texas Tech. No, he didn't play as much as Avery. No, he did not come close to scoring as many points as Avery. He still threw some good passes. I think the last play he had was he failed to convert on a third down. I don't think that was his fault. I think that's on Phillip Brooks for missing another block. 
Um, I think he only made one mistake in the game was when he had a third, uh, yeah, third and what was it? Something I don't remember what it was, but that's two down. It's four down territory for K State, and he scrambles to the right. And he runs out of bounds instead of throwing it away. It takes a ten yard loss. Yeah, I think it was like third and four, and he instead of throwing the ball away, just kind of stepped out. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably pretty much have to throw that into the seats. I mean, Will Howard is too much of a veteran, too much of a leader, too much of just an overall solid player to not play. I- any issues that the that the, uh, the the offense have had that does not go all on Will Howard. It is not all his fault. He's had some issues having to force it, but I think he has to force these passes that sometimes turning into interceptions because you know the wide receivers sometimes don't get the separation that they need. But Avery Johnson is definitely a playmaker. He is electric. He might be the best athlete on the offense. I think a lot of people would argue that. Are you surprised that this is an or situation? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Yes and no. I don't think Will Howard's job is not in jeopardy, in my opinion. It's not in jeopardy. But it's to the point now where Avery proved in that Texas Tech game they benefit quite a bit for having him on the field. So, and I know this might scare some people, but we now have a two-quarterback situation where both are going to play. And both can give you a little bit different than the other. Because Will Howard's not going to be the best runner. Avery Johnson can take that job and, no pun intended, run with it. Um, meanwhile, I think Will Howard's more, uh, obviously, the more, you know, right now the better passer. Even though Avery certainly has an arm, but Will Howard can throw the football. What Will has in terms of an advantage is 28 career games, Mm -hmm. 21 career starts, 10 consecutive starts dating back to last year, and just the experience of the K-State playbook and the ability to read defenses. I I think that, that really is pretty easy to say. I know this is a very interesting thing. I'll I'll be blunt and tell you that I was surprised that when I saw the depth chart that there was an or there, despite what Avery did. Um, and I, I think because of that, I, I think what you look forward to is, one, what will Coach Kleiman say tomorrow at his press conference at 1230? I don't know that he will or will not reveal anything, and I'm not expecting him to. But I think what we need to see here is is that Avery Johnson had a pretty special night, and he is a guy who can do a ton of things on the field. And I think maybe it's time for him to, to get a few more opportunities. You can probably take it from there as far as you'd like to go on what you I mean everybody's got an opinion on this that's the great thing about it right and let me rewind a little bit I made it kind of sound like that (laughs) Will's a way better thrower and that you know Avery deserves more respect and I mean both guys threw it nine times Avery had eight completions Will Howard had six maybe I just I trust Will's accuracy and power just a little bit more um, especially if it's in a pretty key situation. You know, and Avery's accuracy wasn't perfect, but he still completed eight of his nine passes. Sure. He even threw a little bit downfield. I mean, both guys are certainly competitive with their arms, but it does go back to the 
experience that Will Howard has. He's seen a lot during his time at K-State. He's seen a whole bunch of different teams, whole, a whole bunch of different situations. Oh, yeah. He, he has grinded through a lot of adversity in his time. He has. And Avery, he's grown a ton. There's no doubt about that. Avery Johnson has not really had to deal with a whole lot of adversity yet. As a matter of fact, we may not truly get to know him until he does make that one big mistake. That's more than first. fair. I, I think that's absolutely accurate. Um and yet, I think everybody looks at the future with, with such excitement because of what they saw the other night, and everybody gets that. He, we, we've said all along that the way he has handled himself since he arrived on campus and has learned and immersed himself into the, the system and his job, I mean, there's absolutely zero to not like. Nothing, right? I mean— He's just a, a young man who gets it. He's, he can play high-level football. He's confident. Um, so <laughs> you put him on uh, on the field the other night, and, and I think you said he had seven drives in the game of the 12 that K-State had. That's yep. pretty significant. That's pretty significant. But also, I mean, Coach said it after the game. You know, what does the defense of TCU, what are they going to give K-State? Sure. You know, if, if Avery is not – we don't see the running like we had against T- uh, Texas Tech. Maybe you do see more will. You just don't know. I think it just depends on what TCU is giving him. Well, and I think that's probably accurate going forward with everybody, don't you? I mean, I, I think you have two quarterbacks, one with more experience than the other. One, I think Avery. I mean, Will Will's been an efficient runner in his career. It's not like he can't run, but Avery's probably pretty special in the run game. I think everybody saw that. So I, I think it's going to be about matchups and just what K-State wants to do plan-wise offensively against these teams moving forward. All right, let's take a break. Um, well, our board op's on the phone right now. I don't know if you can hear us. <laughs> well, all right. John, we're going to jump to break here. When we come back on Wildcat Insider, we're going to welcome in for the first time in a month, K-State Athletics Director Gene Taylor is coming up next on Wildcat Insider. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. We are back on Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner, the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, live in studio with our board ops, John Grove and A.J. Shaw. It's now time to uh, catch up with K-State Athletics Director Gene Taylor as we now talk to him here on Wildcat Insider. Gene, wonderful to have you on once again. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, you were down in Lubbock for a couple of games, not just uh, for uh, a football game, but for golf. i got to ask first about the golf game, the Crowfoot Cup. If you don't mind explaining what that is and, uh, well, how did K-State do? Um, well, the Crowfoot Cup uh, goes back almost, well, 20 years. It was actually the 20th anniversary. Um, the Crowfoot family is a family that 
started here in Manhattan and then uh, moved to moved to Lubbock and support both programs. And so they liked the golf programs, and they started this cuff to generate money. And it's it's a very unique event. Uh, we had over 64 players, uh, half from Texas Tech and half from Kansas State. And each year we play it at the, at the home course. Uh, for us, it's Colbert Hills, and for them it was Lubbock Country Club. Um, the home team typically wins just because they know the course better, and the visiting team has a tendency to go out and sit, you know have fun while they're in town and not feel good the next morning. So, but it's a really <laughs> unique event and a lot of fun. And uh, we did not win it this year. Texas Tech did win it, um, but uh, it's it's a, it's a, it's such a unique event because really good guys on both sides, and we get to know their donors and their supporters. And uh, same for them. Are you comfortable with uh, telling us who is the best golfer in K-State Athletics Department? Well, certainly not me. <laughs> uh, you know, I play with I play with Ben LeCompte, who uh, Ben is uh, in our Ahern Fund. Ben hits it about a mile, and then I try to clean up around the greens. Uh, that's a great, great question. I mean, Kleiman's a pretty good stick. Uh, his son Devin's pretty good. I'm trying to think who I would – Considered probably the best, but I haven't played with everybody. But uh, we got we got some good guys. Would Ben be in the neighborhood? Ben would be up there. Yeah, um, you know he shot. Well, we we played a the day before. He played in a best ball or not a best ball, but a match play, and he shot a seventy eight. Wow! Uh, so so he he'd be up there. Wow, that's he, impressive. He, yeah. Yeah. You're more excited though about winning that football game than the Crowfoot Cup golf thing. Right? Yeah, they can yeah. they can have the Crowfoot <laughs> Cup. Cup. Uh, I'd rather I'd rather win the game. Absolutely, absolutely. Have a good view of those five rushing touchdowns by Avery Johnson. Uh, most of them, I was in pretty good pretty good spot. It was uh, quite the performance, no question about it. Uh, I think we all knew um, in watching practice and, and that, that when he puts his foot in the ground, he can hit a pretty high level of speed pretty quickly and he was able to do that and um, they had a really hard time <laughs> i saw a, a funny tweet i think uh fitz <laughs> uh, put it out about uh you know what the view looks like of a player that got yelled at for trying to tackle him in high school <laughs> now that maybe coaches <laughs> understand but he wasn't easy to tackle no doubt do you have a clean sheet when it comes to avoiding tortillas no, uh, I got. I think I got nailed with a couple, particularly the first kickoff. You know that they. I think they all bring in a dozen or two, and uh, they kind of hole in them. I guess they fly better with a hole in them. Uh, so yeah, it's it, you, well. Actually, I do. I figured out that the the one end where the student section was where the, all the tortillas came from. If you went down to the other end of the field, uh, they're closer to where the band. The band didn't throw tortillas, so I ended up standing down there a little bit more <laughs> during the game. <laughs> Well, I, I want to ask you about the college football playoff committee. Is this your last year on the committee? It is. Uh, unfortunately, I love it. It's a it's a great uh, it's a great committee to be a part of. It's a three year uh, three year commitment for everybody. Everybody uh, does three years, and we kind of rotate in 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 waves. Actually, this is a pretty big group going off. I think there's six of us going off after this year, um, and we start the last weekend in October. We go down on on Sunday, whatever the thirtieth of October, and those six weeks in a row it could be an interesting year yeah no doubt about it is it an interesting year i mean you know maybe some of the usual teams that have the best chance of getting in maybe not looking as solid i don't know i mean what are your thoughts right now on college football when you think of the college football playoff does it seem like the more difficult of the three years yeah i mean just on paper i mean just kind of what i watch obviously it doesn't seem to be a really dominant team yet you know 
if you just take uh, the AP and the coaches' polls, which we don't really, you know, we really don't take into account uh, on the CFP. Um, but if you just take those top four teams, it's not like there's a massive dominant team, right? I mean, Georgia has struggled at times, and I would say Michigan's probably the most impressive uh, in terms of how they won. You know, but you know, you you know, you might want to say, okay, have they really played? You know, they'll get tested this weekend. I see they play Penn State, so. You know, there, there's some, um, and then there's some teams still lurking out there that had an early loss that you think, well, may have it, may have a chance. You know, Florida State, you know, is is ranked up there, but you know they've struggled with a couple of games as well. So you just never know, and that's why we wait as long as we do to start ranking our teams because there's a lot more, you know, film to watch and a lot more things to put our eyes on. So it'll be interesting once we get in the room and start having these conversations. I'm looking forward to it. Gene Taylor is our guest. Gene, we had a chance to visit prior to the Texas Tech game, and I'd like to ask you for this audience a little bit about something we talked about in that interview, and that's uh, you know some of the talks going on now within the Big 12 about scheduling moving forward. Just kind of maybe, if you can, update a little bit about what's being said. I know there's not a lot of things that are, are ironclad done yet, but how are those uh, conversations going? Well, you know, they're good. Obviously, there's a lot to consider, you know, uh, as, you, as you start looking at, you know, the, the four corner schools coming in and, and obviously the, the, the schools here, the Houston, Cincinnati, that are already in the in the league. Um, and, 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 and so trying to figure not only football out, but, but the basketballs, you know, I think we have decided on the basketballs to do 20-game conference on the men's and 18 on the women's, and that's only – the only reason for that is the women have to get done earlier because their tournament starts a little bit earlier now that we're both in the same facility. You know, the baseball coaches have talked about kind of how they're going to play their scheme. We haven't finally approved everything yet, but we're, we're getting narrowed down. And, and from a football perspective, uh, I'm on I'm on that working group, so to speak. And, you know, we've looked at a lot of ways to do it. Uh, we're right now still still planning on a nine-game conference schedule. Um we're you know we're not going to do pods we're not going to do divisions it's just how to uh play as many teams in a three-year cycle or four-year cycle as you can and make sure you get everybody we'll have protected rivalries obviously ours will be ku um you know there'll be like in-state type uh, type of rivalries uh will be protected um and they'll also consider long-standing games that you know may have to take a priority and then we'll start to look at uh, various, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, what not pauses, not the right word, but matrix of of what games could look like. And then we'll we'll take a look at it and we'll see if it fits all of our principles. We've created, you know, some scheduling principles that you're not going to, if you're Central Florida, you're not flying out to BYU and you're not turning around and flying out to Arizona the next week, kind of thing. So um, those kind of deals we'll look through, and then we'll put a put a matrix together and and hopefully have something to put out and for approval by the time of, you know probably November or December. And you may not have an answer for this, but if like nine for football, if that wasn't to work out, would eight be the next way to go? Yeah, I mean, I you know I think all of this is really part of the conversation, and and it may not be something that we do for 10 years um uh, obviously the the main the number one you know priority that we're talking about is how do we position our conference to have the most teams available for the 12 team playoff and what's that format look like and 
you know, I think the SEC plays eight conference games. I think uh, the Big Ten and the ACC all play nine right now. We're, we're playing nine. You know, do we do we continue to play that tenth non-conference Power Five opponent? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Um, so I think those kind of things right now, as we look at the early schedule, we're still looking at the tenth non-conference Power Five opponent and the nine game. But that may change. Um, we'll, we'll see as as we get into this and. And, and see how it plays itself out. Is it too early, Gene, to be trying to maybe add a bowl game or two or three with with all of the teams coming in? Have, yeah, that... it, yeah, it, it is for this year. Um, and I and I think I don't uh, told me to this. I think the bowl agreements went through the twenty five season, but now with the change of our landscape, with the Pac twelve going away after this season, I think a lot of those bowl agreements are, are probably going to have to get redone, and and I think you'll see us, we'll need obviously more bowl games because we have more teams and, right. you know, how do we how do we spread that out between the bowls that we're committed to, you know, to the Pac-12 uh, you know, how many do we pick up that commit to us, or you know, if maybe there was, if it was the Pac-12 Big Ten commitment do we pick those up, you know so those things we'll look at, and I'm guessing that we'll, they'll have to get into some agreements sooner rather than later meanwhile last week the uh it was reported once again that the talks between the big 12 and gonzaga have ramped back up and it was reported as well that commissioner brett yormark talked to athletics directors and and presidents given another pitch and as to why it'd be the right way to go adding gonzaga i guess the question is how real have those talks been in the last weeks few weeks well, I, I don't know. You know, we haven't obviously sat down. I don't think any presidents have sat down and talked president to president. I haven't obviously visited with any athletic director. I know Brett is is interested in in Gonzaga. I mean, he's been very open about that from you know a while ago because he feels that the the next go around in TV, which is I think six, seven years down the road, that you know splitting basketball out from football would be very attractive for a potential TV partners. So, you know, he's, he's constantly, constantly, uh, he has talked to us about it, you know, occasionally he did bring it up and, and we've, you know, said to him, Hey, we need a lot of answers before we even have any readiness to say yes or no. So I think Brett's, that's what Brett's going to be working on, um, is trying to find out more information on what, what would make sense. What's the timing? Is it really something that's really, you know, something we need right now, and he'll bring those answers back to us at some point in the near future. We'll probably look at it and go from there. But I've not been in any serious conversation. I don't think any ADs have, to my knowledge, and nor nor have any of our presidents and chancellors. It's just, you know, Brett's all, he's he's aggressive, right? He's always looking to put ourselves in a as a conference in the best position. And and if this is the the direction we all feel that we may we may take a little more serious look at it. I guess we better ask about basketball. We've got yeah. uh, Big 12 Women's Media Days tomorrow in Kansas City, and then men on Wednesday. It's just right around the corner. Yeah, you know, we were just talking about that today. Um, obviously, we've been selling tickets, and ticket sales are great for both both programs. Um, but, yeah, I think we start playing games here, the exhibition games. Obviously, if I don't know if anybody paid attention to it yesterday, the Iowa women had an exhibition game at their at the Kinnick Stadium there. Um so yeah, it's here, and uh, I think there's a lot of excitement about both programs right now. You know, with Yoki back and and some of the other additions to women's basketball, and then the returners, and then obviously Coach Tang and, and his crew. So 
I think everybody's really looking forward to uh, basketball season getting started. We got that crossover time of the year. And the last time we talked to you, the, uh, the the final details, I guess, for Jerome Tang's contract extension were finalized, and now it was finally here a few weeks ago. Get the uh, six year deal, and now he gets the raise of over three million dollars, getting an extra hundred thousand every year, plus a two hundred thousand dollar retention bonus. Both sides thrilled about this thing being done and, and the results with the with the contract. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Obviously, uh, you know, again, the financial details of it were ironed out pretty quickly uh, with his agent and our staff, and we felt pretty good about it, and I think they felt pretty good. There was just a lot of legal stuff working through and language that, uh, you know, so, yeah, we're excited about it. I was really hoping we could get it done and signed before the season started so, you know, he could focus on basketball and, and feel comfortable about it, and, and he is, and um, yeah, he's he's... You know, he's such a great person, and you know he I, he worries a little bit about that. He's more about getting you know getting players and, and winning basketball games, which makes it nice to be able to work with him. <laughs> all right, well, Gene, that's uh, that's all we got for you. Really appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll be talking to you here, uh, hopefully here down the road very shortly. Thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate you guys, and uh, we'll talk soon. Take care. Thank you, buddy. It's KC Athletics Director Gene Taylor here on uh, Wildcat Insider, getting caught up with the old AD. All right, we'll take a break, and when we come back, let's jump back to football, K-State football, and uh, the matchup coming up next is Saturday hosting TCU. What are the Horned Frogs about in 2023? We'll learn about them next on Wildcat Insider. Thank you, John, for that weather update. Mitch Fortner and the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, back with you on uh, Wildcat Insider. We take it to the top of the hour. Well, now we get to know the uh, the TCU Horned Frogs. They are four and three currently, and a uh, they're two and one, right? Two and one in the Big Twelve. I accidentally closed out two and two. Accidentally closed out my uh, Big Twelve football standings. But um, so TCU would be middle of the pack then, seventh in the Big Twelve, tied for seventh in the Big Twelve with Kansas and Texas Tech, who are both now two and two uh, in conference play. Where we got to start, of course, is at quarterback. Chandler Morris is out with an injury. It's another MCL sprain, which was the same injury he had last year against Colorado, and then Max Duggan playing lights out, and Chandler Morris never got his job back. Josh Hoover (laughs) is now the guy who's a redshirt freshman quarterback. Got to watch him a little bit uh, against BYU. I know you watched more of the game than I did because I was a little bit more focused on KU. Oklahoma State just couldn't take my eyes off that game. But the kid had some big numbers. This this has got to be a player that's taken seriously. He is a redshirt freshman, not a true freshman, Josh Hoover. Decent size, 6'1", 195 pounds. Uh, been in the system, which certainly helps. But he does have lots of confidence and a pretty darn good arm. Uh, I think they have not shied away from the fact that he's a confident young guy. He's probably their version of Avery, honestly. Uh, I don't know that he's the run threat that Avery is, but it's not like he's a a poor athlete by any stretch of the imagination. Well, you, you get into that first career start and you throw for 400-plus yards, um, I, I think you take that every time. So it is a different thing, and, and Morris, I'm told, probably is still a couple of two to three weeks away with his MCL sprain, so I don't think there's much question that we'll see plenty of Josh Hoover on Saturday. It's really an interesting team from the team that went to the national championship game last year because – Simply stated, they have only three starters back on offense from that team. And on the defensive side, I believe they have seven back. 
And some of those guys have been around quite some time. And, and as, as an example, Mark Perry, Millard Bradford, Bud Clark, Josh Newton in that secondary, all of those guys have been around for quite some time. They have a sophomore nose tackle in Dominic Williams, who is a beast. Um, their linebackers are pretty good. I, I think defensively, they're they're pretty solid as as per usual, and in part because of those seven returning starters. The question will be, what will they be offensively? They lost so much that uh, I'll just run down a few of the. <laughs> they hit the portal lar- large for some some receiver help. Let me give you an example: Warren Thompson, Arkansas. Dalen Wright, Minnesota. Jalen Robinson, Mississippi. Jack Besh, LSU. JoJo Earl, Alabama. J.P. Richardson, Oklahoma State. That's a lot. And that's after having Jared Wiley coming back and Savion Williams back and what have you. Um, good running back in Imani Bailey. Not probably – he's a little different, I'll say, than what we saw last week at Tech. But uh, certainly a competent guy. And it, it's a solid team. There's no doubt. And they – they play hard, and they're they're pretty physical. Really good matchup, I think. Yeah, Monty. I don't feel like they're as deep at running back as Texas Tech is. Monty Bailey, though, has been pretty good. Seven fifty one on the ground uh, so far through seven games. Five and a half yards per carry. He scored a couple of times. Maybe Trey Sanders does score a little bit more. Yep. But you know his numbers certainly aren't as good as Monty Bailey's. Um, and you're right. Like that's my biggest takeaway with the uh, the offense is the receivers, and they're coming from all over the place to fill a lot of spots. And JP Richardson is your guy right now, 400 yards so far in the season. You know, defensively, I mean, Johnny Hodges was my pick for defensive player of the year in the Big 12. I thought he had an amazing year last year. He did not play in the Big 12 championship game. Well, he is hurt now, and yeah. I don't know that he'll necessarily be available this week. And that's a big deal for them because Jamoy Hodge in the middle. And Namdi LB Izor, the strong side linebacker. Um, He's a leading tackler. Yeah, le- they're good players. Um, right now, Shad Banks, who they really good athlete. He can play on the front. He can play at the linebacker spot. He has kind of taken over that uh, Will linebacker spot from Hodges. We'll see if Hodges can go, but I think he's missed four consecutive games. We'll, we'll, we'll probably get an update on that at their presser tomorrow. Uh, yeah, and then do you feel like the secondary is better than it was last year? I, I think early on, and maybe it was just a Colorado game that inflated the numbers and they just trying to calibrate ever since then. But I, was, I, I remember their secondary like would be good sometimes and then not very good. Like It was real hit and miss. I think the one guy that I really like a lot there is Josh Newton, the corner. Uh, and I mentioned that that Clark, Bradford, and Perry are all back. I think they're rock-solid guys. I, I don't know that I'd be willing to compare them to a year ago. Um, the other starter in that secondary is another transfer, uh, Avery Helm from Florida, who has helped them. Again, this is a not necessarily a dominating defense, but they, they do compete. And um, I, I think, if I'm being blunt... I don't know that I'm co- I'd compare them to that bunch last year just be- just just because even though they have starters back they lost some dudes and they really lost some dudes on the offensive side. Remember how good Quentin Johnston was? Oh, oh yeah, stud. Um, one one other question we got we got to ask the big one is Avery Johnson going to be able to run for five touchdowns against te- <laughs> TCU? Well, is that possible? Well, maybe six this time. Well, you know what? I, I think anything is possible. You know, I, I would I would say. I would never, ever say he can't do that again. 
because uh, the kid's capable and you just never know how it all breaks down. But what an impressive start. I'd take five every week, though. Uh, just write me down on, on that one. Cats are going to the Big 12 championship yeah. <laughs> game if Avery Johnson five, runs in five touchdowns every game. I would, I would certainly hope so. But uh, a reminder, kickoff on Saturday is at 6 o'clock. I'm sure it'll be a few minutes after 6 o'clock. It won't be exactly. Uh, the game will be televised on ESPN2. But, of course, if you're not going to the game, mute that. Turn on Wyatt and Stan and Matt. And uh, pregame coverage with PowerCat Game Day will begin at 2. Network coverage at 4. And then kickoff will be a little after Six o'clock. And then the other announcement from uh, earlier today, a week from Saturday, hosting Houston. That'll end the streak of uh, four consecutive night kickoffs when the Cats and Cougars will uh, be kicking off at 11 a.m. a week from Saturday. Power Cake Game will start at 7 in the morning. And don't forget, this week, Harley Night. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Next week, Homecoming. Now, I will say, uh, Cats have lost their last two on, uh, on Harley Day. Texas was last year. Now I'm blanking on who the other one was, but I believe the last time K-State won a Harley Day was in 19 against TCU. Wow. So there you go. There you go. Uh, When we come back, we'll finish up the show with looking at this weekend in the Big 12 after these words. You're listening to Wildcat Insider. It is that time of the year. John, I don't know if you're picking out the bed music today, but I'm pumped up. The element of surprise. That was actually yeah. AJ. He, he picked it up, but uh, hey, picks. can't go wrong with it. Can't Good go pick. wrong with it. Good picks today. All right, uh, let's get to uh, let's get to this weekend in the Big Twelve. Um, I'm, I'm totally out of sync here. I forgot to pull this up, but anyway, we don't just have K State TCU. That's a pretty big one. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the second biggest game on the schedule this year or this week, Wyatt? Oh, that's a good one. Um, you know what? I think the most the game that I'm most interested in is Oklahoma State at West Virginia. Okay. That may sound a little odd, but I do think Oklahoma State is finding itself a little bit. West Virginia is coming off of that game that should have been a win that was a loss in Houston, and I just like the matchup. Both teams are 4-2, and 2-1 two, two and one in the Big 12, and a huge game for both. So very interested in that. I don't I'm not so much on UCF and at Oklahoma. I think that will get ugly. Baylor at Cincinnati, eh. Whatever. Oklahoma State beating KU last week certainly took a lot of sting out of losing to them a couple of Fridays ago, but they've also they've found a groove. They got away from quarterback by committee, running back committee by committee. They've settled with Alan Bowman and Ollie Gordon and Boy, has it worked out for them. Yeah, it has. They, they, they played pretty decent football on Saturday, knocking off Kansas. And then just because that, you know, <laughs> we saw Tech recently, I'm wondering how they'll, they'll fare at BYU. Both teams struggled last week a little bit. Um, BYU more than a little bit uh, down at TCU. That wouldn't surprise me. I got to be honest with you. I'm not going to lie. Baylor and Cincinnati, that might be for last place in the Big 12. It's possible. It might be. I, even though I would say I think Baylor's the better team, this game's also at Cincinnati. Ba- Vegas thinks it's going to be a close game. Um, and uh, Blake Shapin, he's back now, right? He's yes. been pl- he played. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's been back a couple of weeks. Actually. Okay, so yeah. he's been back. So yeah. I give Baylor the advantage there at quarterback, I think better than Emory Jones, I would say. Not as turnover prone, but I'm with you. I think Oklahoma State, West Virginia, that'll be a real interesting one. If it wasn't for you know Garrett Green, even though he led quite the drive there, to oh he did. Thought they would win it at Houston. I think he's actually a pretty talented quarterback. I love his toughness. Yeah, he, he's just he's he's a guy's guy. I think you know, 
What about Texas at Houston? Do you think Houston can give them any no. kind of game? I'm no. surprised the line is only 23. Wow, it's 23. I hadn't seen that. That's... I think Texas went well again with Texas. I Texas is weird, even though they're extremely talented on both sides of the football, they can come out sluggish. It's a, it's a good point. I I think if they're you know cut in, it won't be close. If they come in there thinking it's going to be easy and dink around, not really ready to play, Houston could could go for a while with them. I think it's zero surprise if Texas wins by. Twenty-eight points, really? You know, they're just that much more talented. I don't even. It's at Houston. Texas fans are going to travel for that one. It's sure. and, and I mean, Houston couldn't bring any fans in for a Thursday night game. It was a poor attendance. It was bad. Did you? It yeah, was it, not good. No, I, I saw pictures right before kickoff, and it was barely twenty percent full. Yeah. It was really bad. Um, and then Oklahoma UCF. Oklahoma is going to stomp UCF. I would imagine with their better defense. That could also be a blowout game. So I'm with you. K-State, TCU, Oklahoma State, West Virginia will be the best games in the conference this weekend. Wyatt, thanks again for coming in. We'll do this again next week. Sounds like a winner, buddy. Of course, we'll see you tomorrow at uh, Kleiman's press conference. want to thank A.J. Shaw and John Grove running the show on the other side of the glass. And, of course, we got the show tomorrow from 4 to 6. For the boys on the other side, we got Wyatt to my 2 o'clock. I'm Mitch Fortner signing off. This has been Wildcat Insider. Go Cats.